Everybody likes spending money, and it's pretty easy when you're working, but how do you spend money in retirement in a way that gives you the best chance of not running out of money? On today's show, we're going to give you four retirement spending strategies that you might want to consider. Let's jump in. It's time for the My Retirement Clarity Podcast with Lee Perkins, financial planner and president of JL Perkins Wealth Management. Get ready for a good dose of inspiration, simplicity, implementation, and of course, clarity on how to successfully prepare for retirement and grow and preserve your wealth. Here's Ben George with Lee Perkins. Welcome into the My Retirement Clarity Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Perkins. Today's show is going to be a good one because I think the topic is something that pretty much everybody likes to do. Maybe not every single person, but most folks do, and that is spend money. Um, spending money is really easy to do when you're working because you've got income from your job, and so that's what makes it easy. Uh, and frankly, that's why a lot of people, while they're working, don't have any type of budget. However, once you enter into the retirement phase of your life, how you spend money becomes a little bit more of a challenge. So when somebody comes into our office and we take them through our normal process, one of the, the main things that we look at is retirement expenses. Now, in our office, we break this down into two separate categories. The first category is liability payments. So these are things like your, your house payment or your mortgage or second mortgages, HELOCs, anything like that. Car payments, credit cards, or anything, any item that, that you may owe a debt on, but at some point in the future, it's going to be paid off based on how much you're paying and what the interest rate is and all those kind of variables. So in our cash flow modeling, we're going to show that payment going away at some point in the future. Now, the second category of expenses is the one that is a little bit more challenging for people to come up with. And this is simply what we call living expenses. So these are the things that aren't going away. These are things like your, your electricity, you know, water bill, cell phone bill, automotive expenses like gas and insurance, um, eating out, uh, entertainment, groceries, Health insurance, really all types of insurance for that matter. Whatever it is, these are the things that you're going to continue to pay over time. Um, now, there's nothing that you owe here, so there's not a debt, but these are, these expenses happen on either a, a monthly basis, some of them maybe quarterly or, or even yearly, uh, like property taxes or maybe you know some other things. So when you look at them all together, these things can really add up, and this is why sometimes people have a difficult time nailing down um, the number here. And sometimes when, when I'm meeting with people, uh, meeting with a couple in, in our conference room, their, their opinions on how much they spend every month can vary greatly. Uh, sometimes they almost argue uh, in, the, in the conference room about how much money they spend. And usually what happens is one person is way underestimating the expenses and the other person is like, nope, I can promise you we spend more than that. So once they kind of hash that out, eventually we come up with a with a common number. And that's that's the number that we enter into our planning software for living expenses. However, unlike the liability payments um, that don't change at all, this line item, the the 
living expenses is going to change over time. And so one of the challenges for me as an advisor and, and really for, for a client is to determine how this number is going to change over time and, and how we can make the most accurate projection. So on today's show, I'm going to jump into four different retirement spending strategies that you can use for your planning. Now, of course, you could start off with one of these and change to another one if you feel like it fits your needs a little bit better. Um, and also, while we walk through this today, I want, I want you to make sure, I, don't, I want to be clear that, that there is no perfect strategy. I'm not endorsing one over another. I'll tell you which ones that we may use the most. Uh, but anyway, I want you to use the one that you feel might work the best in your situation. All right, so here we go. The first one is probably the most common method that, that people use when sort of modeling out their expenses in retirement. And this is simply called the inflation adjusted method. And so really the, the best way to think about this is, is simply by putting some type of inflationary number on your monthly expenses every year going forward. And so for those of you who are spreadsheet nerds, uh, you might put in whatever you think inflation will be. And so honestly, this is probably the one that we use in our office most of the time and, and not because it's any better than the other three strategies that I'll talk about, but I think it's the easiest one for people to understand because it's tied to an inflationary percentage. So in the past, in my office here, you know, over the last, gosh, 10, 15 years, we've used one and a half or two and a half, maybe even 3% for inflation when we're doing a long-term cash flow analysis. So if somebody, you know, their expenses start off being $3,000 a month, their living expenses start off being $3,000 a month, we can look down the page at the cash flow projection in the software and see that that number is going to go up by you know, 3% or 2.5%, whatever we put in there. However, we know that right now that number is not very accurate. You know, of course, we've got historical inflation numbers we can we can put in to look at, you know, the last 10 years, 15 years, but I'm not sure that's going to be very accurate with what's going on right now. Uh, and of course, depending on whose numbers you believe, uh, inflation could be anywhere from, you know, six to nine percent. So, you know, we can certainly put that number into the software and, and run that out. However, the problem with this is that we all know inflation is not going to remain this high. Um, eventually, it's going to come down, even though right now it seems there's no end, you know, no end in sight. It's eventually going to come down. I mean, we went to five guys after church yesterday, my son and I, just to pick up lunch for me, my son, and my wife. And, and so we got three burgers and one large fry. It was $49. Now, I know that's a little bit more of probably some people would say is an overpriced burger. I think it's really good, but $49 for three burgers and a fry seems, and one large fry seems a little bit steep to me. So, but anyway, at some point, inflation is going to come down. It could be a year, two years, three years, or five years from now. We, we just don't know. But what I do know is if I stick a 9% inflationary percentage uh, in into the living expenses, you know, every year going forward, the numbers are going to be very, very skewed and the, the cash flow projection is going to be horrible. So I'm not going to put 9%, a 9% number in there right now. Uh, I think we've determined um, that, you know, we're also, of course, not going to put a 2.5% number, but probably we're going to put somewhere around 4% uh, to make it a little more accurate based on what we're going through right now. 
What our software does allow us to do is adjust this number on the fly so that if somebody is more optimistic about the direction of inflation, we can bump it down. And if they're more pessimistic, we can bump it up a little bit higher too. So, you know, we just want to make sure that we show the impact of inflation on their plan. So again, this inflation adjusted method, this is the most common method. Hey folks, Lee Perkins here. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I hate taxes, and I know you probably do too. Our politicians are completely out of control. Their spending is off the chart, and you've got to be prepared for increasing taxes in the future. So we've written a book called Diffuse, Seven Steps to Protecting Your 401k or IRA from the Ticking Tax Time Bomb. You're going to want to grab a copy of this book and learn how you can protect yourself. Then you'll have to decide if you want to take action right now or if you'd rather wait until the IRS changes the rules of the game. Either way, the choice is yours. To get a free copy of the book, just text the word DEFUSE to 478-475-2050. That's D-E-F-U-S-E to 478-475-2050 and we'll send you a free copy. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Now the second one is called the spending smile method. And people may not have heard of this method before called this name, but anyway, it was created by a gentleman by the name of David Blanchett. So it's sometimes referred to as the Blanchett spending smile. But the research that he did shows that expenses for most people in retirement decline slowly and steadily over time. And then the other consideration here in his studies were that healthcare expenses typically increase over time. So, you know, really the idea here is to sort of create a spending smile where retirement expenses go down over time, but healthcare costs increase over time. So if you look at it on a graph, it sort of looks like a smile and that's where the name came from. So, Really, this is pretty much in line with something that, that I talk about all the time on the show, which is the three phases of retirement. And, you know, this is not something that I came up with, but but I love it. It's called the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. So to give you just a, a quick overview here, the go-go years are the early years of retirement. And this is typically when you're young enough and healthy enough to go and do the things in retirement that you want to do. And it, that's from whenever you retire to, you know, may, maybe early 70s or something like that. But once you get past the go-go years, you're going to enter into what's called the slow-go years or the slow-go phase of retirement. And this age, of course, can, can, can vary from person to person. But in my experience, people in their, you know, their early to mid 70s, they start to slow down just a little bit. Uh, They spend more time at doctor's offices, funerals, um, things like that. They just don't go like they used to. They're still somewhat active, but but not like they used to be. And, and really, this is where my parents are right now. I think my mom is 75. My dad is about to turn 77. And they're still pretty active, but not like they used to be. And then once you get out of the slow-go years, you enter into what's called the no-go years. Now, again, this age is not set in stone, but really, in my experience, once people reach their early to mid-80s, for the most part, they're not going a lot of places. Um, they're not doing that much. You know, travel becomes a little more difficult and it's just easier to stay home. Um, and, and for a lot of people, they just don't do anything. And this could be because one spouse is not as healthy as the other. 
Of course, you know, there are exceptions. Uh, one of my best friends here in Macon, his parents are in their mid 80s and they still go like they're in their 60s and, you know, they're they're sharp as a tack. But they're, you know, these folks are certainly the exception and not the norm. So, but what I see in the real world, um, here's what happens with people that are in their, their no-go years. Pension checks and social security checks are just deposited into the bank and they don't really spend the money. Um, and then, of course, they have to take their required minimum distributions uh, from their qualified accounts, their IRAs and 401ks, things like that. And they just simply reinvest the money, put it back into their account because they don't have anything to spend it on. So with going back to the, the overall thing here with the smile, you know, smile spending strategy, we're going to show your expenses to be higher early on in retirement, taper off over time before they start to increase again because of, of, of more expensive healthcare issues in the future. So again, put it on a graph, looks like a smile, and that's where the name comes from. And, and I think that's, that'll make it an easy, uh, an easy way for you to remember it. All right, so the next two are, to me, a little bit more complicated, so I'm not going to spend as much time on them. The next one is called the floor and ceiling method, and, and this method allows for retirement spending to sort of fluctuate with market percentage or market performance. Spending is going to be reduced in down years of markets, but it wouldn't go lower than a specified floor. Conversely, spending would be increased in years of strong markets, but but they wouldn't go any higher than a specified ceiling. And, and to me, this can get a little bit complicated in my opinion. And honestly, we don't have anybody using this because not many of my clients want to be dependent upon the market for them to be able to take a trip in any given year. And so in my opinion, account performance is it's just one component of a retirement plan. Uh, it's certainly an important one, but I don't want the performance of, of the market in any given year to be the sole determination of how much money that you can withdraw. Because like I always say, the stock market is the one thing that we have zero control over. Now, do we have clients that sometimes adjust their monthly distributions based on what's going on? Sure, that, that does happen. And when it does, this just tells me all they're doing is adjusting their spending habits. They're still paying their bills. It's not like they're going to not pay their house payment or, or their car payment. They're just being a little bit more careful about what they spend overall. They know it's going to rebound. And when it does, they'll increase their distributions again. All right. So now, finally, the last retirement spending strategy I want to discuss here today is called the retirement guardrails. And this one has become a little more popular over the last several years. Uh, and this comes from the research of a guy named Jonathan Guyton back in 2004. And he uses three different components to, to his strategy. And that first component is a withdrawal rule and simply means when the portfolio return is negative, uh, there's no inflationary adjustment made on the retirement uh, distribution. The second component is what's called a capital preservation role. And so this means that when the, the withdrawal rate exceeds an, an upper band, you're going to reduce your retirement expenses or your retirement distributions by 10%. And then they have something called the prosperity rule, which means when your withdrawal percentage goes below a certain number, you can increase your distribution by 10%. So let me give you this in layman's terms since I'm throwing out some percentages that, that may be a little bit confusing. So we're looking at your withdrawal percentage. And so if that withdrawal percentage goes above a certain amount, 
meaning say it goes above 5% of a withdrawal rate, you would agree that you are going to temporarily decrease your monthly distribution until markets rebound. And that's usually, you know, maybe a couple of hundred dollars a month. It's not significant. Um, but if your withdrawal percentage goes below a certain amount because your accounts have performed well, then you, you feel free to increase that retirement distribution if you need the money. And, and I think this is a pretty good way for clients to look at things because they know that markets go up over the long term. So there's a pretty good chance that their retirement distributions are likely going to increase if they use this, this method. Um, but they all know that there's going to be times when the markets go down, like, like the period of time we're living in right now. And most people are okay with, with decreasing their, their distribution temporarily if they have to. Now, not everybody does, but people respond differently. So anyway, this way they don't have to totally blow up their whole investment strategy. They just have to be a little patient while markets rebound. And of course, they all, eventually, they always do. So there you have it. Uh, for, these are four retirement spending strategies for you to consider in retirement. Which one's best for you? Like I said earlier, it really just depends on your situation. Um, and honestly, I, I, I like components of each of these strategies. I think the good thing is you've got the flexibility to change strategy, strategies uh, if you want to, you're certainly not stuck with one of these for the rest of your life. Um, and, and to me, this is one of the reasons that I like to meet with our clients periodically, just to discuss cash flow and make sure everything's good. And if we need to change things a little bit, we can always do that. You know, if things are tight, uh, we can determine if increasing the distribution, is that going to be sustainable, you know, for whatever period of time? And if it is, we can certainly do that. And if not, we can certainly have a conversation about that. And of course, if you find yourself not spending all the money that you're taking as a distribution, you've always got the option to decrease that distribution. Um, or you can do what a lot of people choose to do nowadays, which is to give away money. Be generous. Don't wait until you, you pass away to start giving away money. If you've got more money than, than you'll ever spend, and I know that's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, start giving that money away. Give it away to charity. Give it away to your kids or grandkids. Um, you, you don't have to just give them cash. I mean, you can certainly do that, but you can use your money to buy experiences. And so more and more now, I've got clients who call us up and say, hey, I need I need 25 grand for a cruise. And when this first started to happen, I was like, holy cow, what kind of cruise are they going on? But now, you know, we sort of figured out when, when somebody's taking out that much money for a cruise, I know that they're paying for their kids and maybe their grandkids to go with them. So they're providing experiences and building memories that they can see happen. And so I think this is a, a fantastic idea. So anyway, that's it for today. So if you need help uh, with, with your spending strategy, your spending and expense strategy in retirement, let's have a brief conversation. And you can do that by visiting www.talkwithlee.com. And this will take you right to my calendar and you can grab a 15-minute spot. And we'll talk through things and see how I can help. And to this point, I've helped literally hundreds and hundreds of families determine how they can take what they worked their whole lives for and use that money to give them the best retirement they can possibly have. So thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. Lee Perkins here, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the show today. If you like our podcast, we would be honored if you would share the show with others. 
And one great way to do that is by posting the show to your social media pages or by just telling others about it. Either way, we would really appreciate it. And of course, if you do enjoy the show, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star review. And this certainly helps other people like you find our show. And if you want to learn a little more about our firm and how we help people have the best retirement they can possibly have, go check us out at www.myretirementclarity.com. There are a lot of great resources that you can access directly on the website. And of course, if you want to have a conversation with me, you can visit www.talkwithlee.com. And this will take you directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a 15-minute phone call so I can learn a little bit more about your situation. Of course, everybody is not a great fit for our firm, but if I think we can add value and put you in a better situation, I'll let you know and we can certainly talk about the next steps. So thanks again for tuning into the show and we'll catch you next time. Investment advisory services are offered by JL Perkins Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and insurance agency. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified tax, legal, or investment professional before taking any action.